0: StartupRed.io, your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRed.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. I am bringing you on a Tuesday publication, our interview with Hessen Trade and Invest. You may have missed, um, last month for the very simple reason Corona kind of wrecked havoc on our schedule and on all the connections as well as our, the schedule of our sponsor. Nonetheless, we do have Maria here for an interview. Um, Hey Maria, how you doing?
1: Hi Jan, super, I'm doing good, very happy to be here and uh, you just told me that you are one of the top uh, tweeters and uh, you know in the ecosystem of Germany and startups so I'm in the right place, happy to be here.
0: Yes, um, I I do believe in the past this was called an influencer but I'm not sure if I really want to be one. We are talking about um, you today because I do believe you have a very interesting CV you're now living in Frankfurt and you're the co-founder of Accelerator Frankfurt and in this position you've been uh, giving us an interview already you can go down here in the show notes and find this one and I do believe you're right now at already at wave eight of your accelerator right?
1: That's correct so now we are on wave eight I think we started 2015 and been running uh, more or less, uh, of course, before the coronavirus happened, uh, like on-site programs, you know, three to four months, uh, taking startups that were in the beginning, very early stage, but later on moved more to this kind of go-to-market program, where companies who wanted to enter the German finance market would go through a program and get, you know, investors and investments and also, of course, clients to a program. And now, is really the way date. And I have to say, uh, since Corona so, the, the, 7 was already an online program, so we did uh, a purely blockchain um, program with with uh, with five companies. And it was really successful. We were actually very surprised of this fact. And uh, many of the companies even got investments through the program. Uh, so I think it's, it's always like that. At first, you think that, oh, shit, you know, well, maybe the background, but you know that, oh, what I'm going to do? Uh, you know, the the life changed on what we used to we, how we used to see it. But then we we thought about it with Ram, who's the who's the founder of Accenture Frankfurt. That at what you know that now is the you know what are we going to do differently? So we said, you know what, we have nothing to lose. So let's let's do online. Let's see how it works, and let's do a bit like a Big Brother meets you know a Lions mm-hmm. Den, and 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 see you know what what we can do. And I think it was very helpful for the investors also because they had the chance to peek a bit deeper into the you know, startups and how how they deal with different kinds of situations. And then uh, I think why we did the the wave eight was um, that it has really been bothering me for for a long time that there are so few female founders. And especially, you know, through our program, we had like uh, 40 companies. And one of them, to be honest, had like a pure, real uh, female founder in it. So we thought, you know what, if, if it's really that difficult, so why, how can we facilitate it? And we also thought that it's probably better to go for early stage companies. Those who don't maybe have, you know, the network, they don't know other people with whom they could found a company. Maybe they are even single founders. And uh, so we started the wave eight. And so I'm very happy about that. Funnily enough, you know, we have four females, which three of them are Finns. <laughs> so maybe they tell something about their Finnish uh, um, entrepreneurship. But we have uh, one is a German and she's, she's, she's great, Carla. And actually, two uh, you know, two of these uh, founders do live in Germany. So we have a
0: good 50-50 split. Besides that, you are also the CEO of a small startup company called MindClip. Can you wrap up in like a few sentences what you guys are actually doing there?
1: Yes. Yeah, so MindClip Behavior is, is, a, is a team development uh, application. Uh, I, I would say that during the years, you know, working with startups and, and helping them, and of course, working with big corporates also, I, I realized that the biggest problem in companies is that the teams don't know how to communicate with each other. And I would say that it's, it's a problem for, for the team members themselves, because they, they are misunderstood, and they don't understand that it's with their own behavior that they actually cause these kind of reactions. And for the corporates also, it's a problem, because if the teams don't work well together, they are not so efficient. And as we all know, people do not leave the companies for their great vision and mission. They, num- they actually often leave the company because they have a bad boss, and they stay because they have a great team. So this is, you know, to help the team leaders and helping the, you know, team members to really work efficiently together.
0: Yeah, the team usually makes a big difference, and um, we are talking to you. Now, because you're one of the many, many, many investors living in the Rhine Main region, and uh, you're investing as a business angel as well as uh, through indirect means, and the, the the first thing that I was curious was how do you decide to become a business angel? Does it happen by accident, or do you just do you just decide one day you get up as oh got some spare money, uh, let's reach out to the next business angel association and do some investment. How how did it happen to you?
1: Yeah, well, I think for me it happened, I mean, it started, of course, quite a long time ago when I was still living in China. And, you know, the financial crisis happened in 2008 and, and nine. And then you have, uh, you know, let's say more time in your hands and, and you have different kind of people reaching out to you. So I was living in China and I had friends, you know, from Finland who had their business ideas and who were looking for clients and maybe looking for financing. And I was thinking that these people are really different. You know, they're really crazy. You know, they they are willing to, you know, put everything they have. You know, they put their house on, on the mortgage and, you know, go for an idea that they really believe in. And uh, I started to think, you know, I actually, I like this kind of, uh, not only that they're the willing to take risk, but also the, the fact that they were actually coming up with new ideas and testing went out and if it didn't work they would try something new and not get hang on you know do something that that was like a legacy for them since they of course had none so I think what for, for me it happened in, in like I would say more gradually so I started first helping these kind of startups and you know I would get sweat equity I would help them work and they would give me some shares and and then, of course, you know, with time and you have some extra money and something that you really believed in, you know, it was normally like friends and, you know, someone who, who you knew, you know, had a personal relationship with uh, for a longer time, because it is a very risky business. So normally you, you want to invest in people that you know. So I think for me, it st- started like a, a bit more gradually. And I think in a way it led to, you know, many of the other things that that we then did, you know, setting up the Accel to Frankfurt. But I would say that if, if one is very new in these areas so of course, the best thing is, Is also to you know to join um, some business angel uh, you know uh, conglomerates or like in Frankfurt uh, Main we have the organization also or then find another opportunities like myself you know investing through a certain like a special purpose vehicle with other people so so I think there's there's more risk averse ways also of doing it.
0: Hmm. I see. 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 And um, since we are also available on Himalaya FM in mainland China, just ju- just poking a little bit more. Where did you live in China for how long? And can you say say a little bit in Mandarin?
1: <laughs> so uh Shanghai, So yeah, so I lived in in Shanghai for for, for two uh, three years and lived a bit also in hong kong and um, yeah i think i would say the chinese people are very very innovative i think they are they're they're the the ones who who are willing to take big risks and and, and go for it and try things so i think uh, i really enjoyed living there in Shanghai. very very vibrant uh, environment uh, you know for i'm sure also for startups
0: um my personal experience from china is that um let's say a little bit opposed to uh, Germany or Europe, you can always feel the pressure of competition there. And that's why I do believe they are also forced to be innovative there. Um And we now know how you became a business angel, but I would be now a little bit curious how you're actually approaching an investment because, um, Usually it happens that you get uh, that somebody tells you about a crazy idea and uh, in the first moment you think. That'll never work Uh, 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 no freaking way. And then if you look deeper in it, deeper in it, deeper in it, you actually find that there's something that is really working there. For example, I was once uh, on a party meeting someone who is running a butterfly farm, which apparently is also a valid and good business. So that was one of the moments that actually something really surprised me. And ever since I started digging into that, is it it the same for you?
1: (laughs) Mm, probably, maybe not, because for me, I, I, I do need to believe in, from the beginning that it makes sense, let's say, or, or that there is an interesting opportunity, that there is some kind of market uh, for, for the idea. But for me, it's very important, you know, the, the, the personal relationship I have with the founders. So most of the people that I invest in, I've known them for, for a long time. And, you know, I help them, I give them some ideas. And, and, you know, I think that's how the idea of the Accelerator Frankfurt was also born, because we realize that it takes time to, to build a relationship. I mean, I, I think it's very rare that you meet someone and they immediately give you their money. I, I think that would be maybe if you are you have too much and you don't know what to do with them, you maybe you throw them around. But I would say the normal way is you know to to build a relationship and you know to know you, in a way in the in the first beginning, especially when you invest in seed. I mean you invest in the person. You believe that, you know, this person is reliable, they're not gonna run away with the money, you know, <laughs> that they are that they're doing something that they actually themselves believe in. And when they believe in it, you are you know more inclined to to believe in it too.
0: Since you've been talking about seed, which is a very early stage in startup investing, um, but admittedly one of the places where a good business angel makes a real big difference. Um I would be curious how important are stuff like getting a pitch deck, getting valid numbers on this? Because it's all, most of the time, they're, "Mm, estimate something like this. Um, How important is it that at least you get the impression somebody really took the effort in understanding this and putting in some numbers, doing some research?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it's very important, you know, to have a deck that people can understand, that, you know, that you can clearly explain because it's always more you know difficult to explain something shortly in, in a very concise and precise way or say in two sentences what is it that you're actually doing so I think it, it's important for yourself as, as a founder to, to have a pitch deck that you you know that you because it means that you have thought about it you've, you've done the research and I think that's the actually the whole idea of doing a pitch deck that you can demonstrate that you understand what you're doing you understand what it is that you want to you know accomplish in, in, in a long run it, it explains the, that what, how do you see the market, you know, how do you see the other players in it, you know, and, and that you, you can do some simple mathematical calculations that, you know, with a certain amount of money, you know, how far can you get? And that you understand that in life nothing is for free. You know, there's, there's, there's certain things that, that cost money and, you know, you, you need people and many things you can't do alone. But it, it shows you that you have logically thought about the whole process and what is it that you actually need, you know, to, to go from A to B.
0: Basically, you want to know if they set up a project plan, how to uh, achieve world domination, right?
1: Yes, hopefully in the end.
0: <laughs> I see, see, see. see. Um, let's say uh, you have an, a startup and you're thinking about investing in it. What would be some red flags you you, you would at least dig deeper into the startup, into the background of that?
1: Well, I, I think it's you know, normally, if, if you look at the, at the person who's setting up a company, of course, I think it's, I don't normally, well, I don't think I've ever invested in very young people, you know, people without any kind of track record, because I think it does tell you something about the person. For example, you know, if, if you were, if you had a couple of employments, did you stay there for, you know, three months or one year? Or, you know, did, did you did you actually stay there for a long time? And then you're setting up a company that actually somehow based on what you did before so that you have some kind of expertise in the area. Either you are a great coder or you are great in marketing or maybe you are, pretty, you know, building a company in 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 a, in a business area where you were in or maybe you found a niche that you actually, you know, you have a special, like, let's say, uh, like a, like this kind of advantage that the others wouldn't have because in 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 the end you're probably not going to be the only player in the market. So the more let's say ammunition that you have on you, you know, the, the easier it is going to be for you. I think if, I would say probably you know we normally say that uh, you should you should have a co-founder, so you shouldn't be a, a sole founder in, in the company because if you couldn't convince anyone else, you know, to to join you, so maybe maybe it's it's it's, it's a red flag. And I guess, you know, let's say that what is a problem sometimes for companies that maybe did already the, like, let's say the pre-seed round and approaching then seed financing is that they have, they they gave too much of their company away already too early. Because, you know, if the company doesn't have seven or the founders don't have 75% when you go to seed round, you are in deep trouble. You should preferably have the 75% when you go to series A. So, but of course, sometimes it's Difficult, you know, with the how much money you, you need to do certain things. But let's say that would be those kind of, you know, things that many people don't think about in, 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 in the beginning.
0: Mm, that's an interesting perspective, because usually you would say, ah, oh, investors, they want to have the maximum of um, equity in there. But uh, that's something I've heard from uh, a lot of good business angels, that you want to have the uh, founder running the majority of the equity because they they have an incentive to push it forward. Um, and, but I also heard about business angels who want to be the backseat driver. Personally, I've been working very closely with business angels who more work as coaches and advisors and sometimes even normal employees, even though they invested a lot of money in the company. Um, what is the kind of support if you have a new founder out there? Let's say a woman who's looking around in the Frankfurt Rhein-Main area um, for business angels. What would you advise her besides the money? What you can how you can profit from a business angel? What would be great skills, network stuff she should be looking for?
1: Yeah, I think it's always good to do for skills that you don't have. Because, you know, you, you normally like to complement, you know, what you have. And I think the problem is, of course, when you are, a, a, you know, a young company, you, maybe you are only two people or three people. So obviously you're always lacking hands of, of getting things done. So I think it, it's, it's, the, it, it's the good thing is always, you know, as I said, to think about what, how can they help you? How can they complement what you already have? Maybe you know, especially of course, when they if they have a good net network, that is something always valuable. You know, they can maybe bring you new investors for for your next investment round. Maybe they can bring you clients. Maybe they can bring you other contacts, and, and uh, you know their own experience. and uh, and, and I personally really think it, it's it's very important that the the business angel also understands their role. So normally they should be like an advisor. They can be maybe a board member once you get that far. And uh, but they, they should not try to run the company because this is, I think this I would say they, they are these like these devils who you know who, who think that if, if they want to have you know, as you said, as as much of the company as possible, but then it doesn't make any sense. Because if you think logically that uh, when is the company going to be ready to be, let's say, exited in some way, Is there an IPO or you you know somebody a bigger company maybe acquires you, you probably need at least three, four you know investment rounds. And if, if, you, if you think about that, each investment round is going to dilute the founders by 20%. And if you start with 50 I mean, after one round, you are down to, you know, 30. After the second round, you're down to 10%. How, how in, incentivized are the founders going to be to, to stay in a company and build it? So I think it's very short-sighted for investors to think this way. So I think that's it. like really think carefully. If one has the luxury, of course, that one can choose the investor. Sometimes you, you just need to take the money where you can get it. But at least try to understand that you know and make it clear maybe from the beginning what is the expectations of the of the business angel
0: personal experience would have also been working in the past with at other startups um, is uh, they have very good business angels who are critical voices not to say you have like constant fights within the companies but they give you a different perspective they make you think there's also something I would be looking for in a business angel, as well as if you're looking like in a B2B context, in B2B sales, it experiences almost everything there. Um, and and <laughs> they know all the mean tricks there. Um, that is also something in my personal experience that um, you would be looking for um, in a business angel if you're going into B2B. Um, what is a normal way people approach you for investments in their startup? Is it is it your network? Is it uh, something like Twitter? Um, I've been already recording an interview with the CEO of HTGF, High Tech Konafon, uh, Europe's most active seed investor. And uh, he said um, he would even reply to an email that says just in in the headline, yo, we should talk. Would you do that as well?
1: Well, I think it depends. Uh, I I would say I I don't think I get investment proposals uh, so much on Twitter, but of course a lot through LinkedIn, people sending me their pitch texts and, you know, like, "Ah, could you help us, you know, finding investors? I'm like, "Uh, excuse me, (laughs) I don't know you, Who you who are you? I mean, what is the connection here? And I and I think, of course, um, it, it it depends. I, I would say that normally for me, you know, the, they would have to somehow be connected to me before, you know, like it that they, they come through a recommendation by someone else, or, or we build, you know, a relationship over, over time, over uh, even even maybe over online. But I would say, still, I'm quite traditional in this way. So, I, I, you know, I get to know people, you know, I want to understand what they're doing, you know. So, so no, I wouldn't probably reply to that Joe email, no.
0: I really had to smile here. A Finnish girl who lived and worked in Shanghai uh, started being a business angel all across the world. And she says, oh, I'm a more traditional person. <laughs> I really like that one. Um, when you've been talking about pitch decks, there was just one. Uh, there was just a question. Um, we already talked about the importance of pitch decks. But what is what are some of the mistakes you are actually seeing? Like in terms of um, in terms of mistakes people are making in the pitch decks because from my personal experience, is they are much too confined in their very small world. And they only think in those terms and don't think bigger like uh, the, the usual thing you're saying is in consulting. Um, a slide is good when your grandmother will understand it. Most of the slides I did, not even my mother would understand. Nonetheless, what are what are the mistakes you've been seeing there? And have you seen any any pitch deck in the world other than PowerPoint? <laughs>
1: hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe people should try to be more creative. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think it's, uh, I have to say, there are some great tools nowadays. Like, uh, you know, there's this uh, company called pitch.com. I think they, they try to make it easy for people to, you know, to come up with some uh, more maybe uh, e- easy to understand uh, pitch, pitch decks. But I think in in the end, of course, the purpose of a pitch deck is just to try to somehow convey, you know, what is it that you're doing in a short, precise way and making people interested. You know, the idea is not, I think, that trying to explain everything that you're doing in a pitch deck is impossible. The idea would be that it's a support tool that you go, you know, once you have, we always talk about the short deck, you know, that is that to make people curious, interested, that they actually even bother talking to you. And then you have the long deck that you're actually going to present to the person, explaining everything, going in detail, seeing you know, what they find inter- easy to understand, what is difficult to understand. And, and I think that uh, the mistake, as, as you were also referring to often, is that people try to put too much into the pitch deck. And this is not the purpose. You know, nobody is going to p- give you money just based on 10 slides or 6 slides. So the whole purpose is to try to make them think that, okay, this person actually thought about what they wanted to tell me. It's like you have these thirty-second you know elevator speeches or whatever. So trying to make people uh, you know curious, understand. Ah, is this something I can relate to? Because normally people invest also in stuff that they understand. So trying to maybe take the point of view of an investor. So thinking, okay, would this investor? How would I make them interested? How how can may this make this problem? very concrete for them to understand and we always say you have to start with the problem and then you come with the solution not that you come up with a great solution and then you try to fit the problem into it which also of course unfortunately happens very often you fall in love you know something that you really like to do i think like we see a lot with blockchain you know people try to you know everything is blockchain And, you know, then they find out the reason why this blockchain should be used and, you know, whatever. But I think it really, like, keeping it simple, not putting too many words in a slide. And as you say, trying to make a five-year-old understand. Sometimes maybe they understand more than we think. Uh, But uh, still, you know, a couple sentences in in each slide. And maybe, you know, trying to use visuals, you know, somehow to explain and show, you know, what is it that they actually, that you're trying to accomplish. And, of course, having some kind of numbers, like at least, you know, what is it that, how much money are you trying to, to raise and what is it that maybe you're trying to do with it. But I think in the beginning, as I said, the simple take is just explain what, you know, there's a problem, uh, you know, why is it the problem and, you know, this, our solution is like this and, you know, how is, is it urgent, you know, to solve this thing and why would people be willing actually to spend money in doing this thing that you're doing and, of course, if you can show and show you should be able to show some kind of traction if you don't have clients yet, at least show how you developed something in a such a certain, you know, a certain time period to show that you know there's some activity going, because nobody's going to invest in someone who has a wonderful idea and waiting for people to give them money before they can start. That is not going to happen.
0: Personal experience: um, uh, the uh, pitch decks are usually considered good when you have a compound annual growth rate on it, and and it has to be above a thousand percent, and it goes like this: woo. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah we could talk uh much much more about this but everybody who's curious can of course reach out to you directly um this interview is sponsored by hessen trade and invest in ha- invest in hessen.com of course go down here in the show notes there's a link and you can find it um i would be curious what are your thoughts because we know it f- for quite some time and can you spill a few secrets just between you and me and like 20, 25,000 people listening or seeing this podcast? Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the rhine main region as a startup hub from the perspective of an investor?
1: Yes, I think it's, uh, <clears throat> um, I, I, you know, of course, I love Frankfurt. So let's, let's you know, start with the positive note. note. So I, I really, I really love it. I think it's very international. I think there are great people there. And I, and I think we have also, uh, you know, great entrepreneurs and people who are willing to, you know, take a risk and, and start something new, which is, of course, super, super important. Maybe because of the, let's say, a little bit uh, stiff and, and you know, I'm thin, so we always say things very directly. I would say a little bit unmotivating environment that we maybe sometimes encounter in Frankfurt from, you know, certain people. Certain, um, you know, uh, let's say that if, if the environment would be a bit more stimulating, people maybe wouldn't go to Berlin or wouldn't go somewhere else. And personally, I think Berlin is a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. So I think I think Frankfurt has a great potential of really being something where, where startups actually also want to stay. I mean, we have, of course, a couple of good examples of, of also very successful startups that are staying in Frankfurt, like Clark and some others. But but I think this is probably what what uh, is a little bit needed that it that people would feel and I do think that those people who are who've lived a while in Frankfurt they do also try to stay there you know and 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 I think also the money is not a problem because a lot of uh, there is a lot of money in Frankfurt and the area you have all these retired bankers and you know, people with pockets full of money that don't know what to do with it well joke aside but uh, I think it's you know you have great infrastructure you know have a, you know big airport you can fly anywhere you want to go go with the train whatever means of travel you choose and of course nowadays you know you can do actually a lot uh, do remotely and I think uh, but maybe some people are still a bit more you know traditional and would like to meet in person if you have no other let's say strong links to to, to a person so I think from a from an investor's point of view it's always you know the more of course startups you have the bigger chance you have that some of them are good so I think the 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 main point for Frank would be to how can you stimulate that more people would actually you know found their own uh, startup. So then
0: we have more to choose from. And, and probability uh, probability commands that uh, the more startups you have, the more good ones will be uh, between them and the more um, ultimately very successful startups uh, will be there. Actually, what, what I've seen as a tendency... After the, the, the crisis I've experienced so far here is after every crisis, there's like a handful of, or more than a handful of people, just a handful that I meet who are leaving the corporate job and setting up startups. I do believe that is also something you don't usually have in a lot of other places it's unique here and um i i also do like that even though frankfurt i would say is a little bit more um on the b2b side as opposed to other places like berlin where they're a little bit more on the b2c business to client side do you think that as well
1: Yes. And, and I, of course, I'm, I've never really, you know, I, my expertise is nothing B2C. So I, I personally believe that there's a lot you can do with B2B. And of course, the thing is, maybe it's the longer road, so to say, to get the client, but once you have them, let's say you are probably more secured in also to, 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 to keeping them. So I think it's, um, you know, in in a way, every ecosystem or every city should, or every area, they they should concentrate in what they're good at. And I think Frankfurt has this unique opportunity that we have so many financial institutes and so many banks there. And also, I think I would say for people who are maybe wondering if they should set up their company or not, is that they should test out, you know, you shouldn't just quit your job and, you know, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. You can also do that. Some people have, I mean, some of us do that, but, you know, it's not for everybody but i would say it, you can you can experiment a lot of stuff you know with even when you are working but like yeah, you you are you are a great example of that i mean you you tested your idea before you decided to do to, to go full on and i think that is that is the right way to do it you know to to yeah, like test it out because sometimes we have a maybe a bit glorified idea how great the thing is that we want to do. So it's better maybe to test it out, talk to people, you know, and find some some feedback and, 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 and you know, to, to then do it on your screen when you feel that like, okay, this is actually has a, let's say, more than 50% chance of, of becoming a success. So go for it.
0: And the uh, full disclaimer, you don't need to be in the podcast charts of 41 countries from Japan to Paraguay, from the US to uh, Hong Kong before you can start out on your own. It's, it's totally sufficient if you do your first sale and that should be totally fine. Um. Well, there, there would be one more thing I would be curious about. Um, where can people apply for like the next wave of the Accelerator Frankfurt? Uh, where they can learn, where can they learn more about you? Um, of course we link stuff like, uh, Accelerator Frankfurt Twitter account, your personal LinkedIn profile. I do believe you have a personal Twitter account as well. We link that here as well. And uh, so people can, reach out to you stalk you everywhere and that's totally fine um just um when is the next wave starting and would it be all uh once again an all-female program
1: uh well i think it's too early to say so the current wave, where we have these four amazing uh, f- uh, women you know mia and anohan and carla So we are, you know, they're all B2B, but some of them are, you know, like uh, Carla is really early stage. She's she's still, you know, looking for her perfect uh, co-founder. And uh, and as I always say, that's, you know, very, very, very difficult decision. It's more than, you know, finding the right husband. It's because you're really stuck to someone once you set up a company. Anyway, but I think the, you know, the, um, so the the demo day is going to be on the 16th of December. And there's, I'm sure there's certainly going to be another wave in, in spring. Um, I think the idea will probably be maybe that is going to be a mixed one, but let's say if we are overflown, floated by an insanely good female founders, we might run another female program, who knows? But I think the idea is to, you know, to see that if you could, uh, run a, a normal program for, you know, diverse, of course, uh, preferably, you know, and I think now we have a great chance to, 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 you know, to crack the numbers and not having, uh, you know, non-existent percentages of females but uh, i think the best way to to find out you know how is the program how is it working is probably to reach out to to the people who have done the program already and i'm sure if if there's some female founders there wondering and know uh, i mean all these ladies are they're amazing you can you can reach out to them i'm sure through linkedin and and ask them of their opinion but you can always send us uh, you know an email to ask for for information but i would say the best thing is always to to go to the website www i mean you have it downstairs accentfranklin.com and to fill in the application form, and then you will be, you know, contacted in due course when the when the next wave is starting.
0: Great, thank you very much. That was everything I want to know. Um, one more question: Can you can you say goodbye in Finnish? Näkemiin. Thank you very much. Bye bye.
1: Thanks. Bye.
0: That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.